Welcome to Death and Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two friends who vaguely know what they're doing. I'm MK. And I'm Courtney. And um, it's Halloween. It won't be when you watch this, but it's Halloween today. Um, Although I spent my Halloween taking a nap and watching football. Like I didn't do anything Halloween related at all. Yeah, um, I did, but it was until five this morning so it was not necessarily today <laughs> we, uh, my friend came in town from philly and uh we went to the Sadie's dance party she saw us on instagram you saw all of our halloween extravaganzas and uh we were like well we'll just see how long we're gonna stay there because it started at 10 so we got there 11 and um we left at like 3 45 in the morning like we were teenagers yeah, my parents, oh man, okay, listen to this. I, my mom was out of town last week, right? So they got, my mom got home Thursday night, but I worked Thursday night, so I didn't see her. So I was supposed to go to karaoke with my friend on Friday, but I was like, no, I'm not going to go. I'm going to stay home and hang out with my parents because I miss my mom because I haven't seen her in a week. Also, it was raining and cold and I didn't want to go out, but like, then I get home, I take a nap after work, wake up. They're gone. They're still not home. But my mom's car is here. So I called her and I was like, um, your car is here, but you're not. And she was like, oh, yeah, we went out to dinner. And I was like, thanks so much for letting me know. I could have gone, gone out to karaoke, but whatever. They get oh, home at four o'clock in the morning. No, they went out with their best friends. They got home at four wow. o'clock in the morning. How? I thought I was going to die. I was like, Okay. And then Saturday, my mom and I had to go to a funeral. So, like, she had to be up in the morning. Then Saturday night, she was so tired. But my grandma was sick. I was supposed to go to see a play with my grandma. And my grandma was sick. So I was like, Mom, you ditched me last night. And you're going to the Bills game without me tomorrow. So come to the show with me. And she was like, I'm so tired. I go, (laughs) and then she did. We saw the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime. I saw that on your post. It was so good. It was so good. I um, I bought the book recently, but I haven't read it yet. I liked it a lot. But yeah, that was the only exciting thing I did. I saw a show. Um, Well, I almost died, but I staying up way too long. So (laughs) I got, I had to be at my writing group this morning at, uh, at, I forgot. I was like, what time? Every day, every week it's the same time. Um, at 10 a.m. And so I was just wrapped in a blanket while I was in my group meeting the entire time. And I was like half there. Um, but it, on on that note, this post comes out the first real weekend in November. Yes. But November is NaNoWriMo month, which is National Novel Writing Month. And so we're doing a kickoff at 1130 tonight <laughs> to start writing so if anybody else is participating in writing a novel hit us hit us up we can talk about like books and stuff i'm gonna do my best that's very exciting that starts technically starts tomorrow in in our real time not in podcast time but um what also starts for in november is season three of death and aliens we are reviewing the uh, occult dark comedy that is only vaguely science fiction, 
dead and vaguely like, horror. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, it, it is, but it also isn't. And I kind of like that because it, it still fits. I don't know what other like genre you would put it in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also do not know. It's called Dead Like Me. Um, the first episode is very cleverly called Pilot. Surprise! <laughs> Sorry, my voice just cut off there. Get screaming all night like a teenager. <laughs> um, it was rated eight point four stars, and it premiered on June twenty seventh, two thousand three. Fun fact about June twenty seventh, two thousand three: the number one song in the country was "This Is the Night" by Clay Aiken. Good old Clay Aiken. Very. <laughs> three of them. I was like, that that puts this squarely in a time in my life. <laughs> See, I never really listened to Clay Aiken. I like knew him because I watched um American Idol. But didn't you see him in like real life somewhere? No, the concert was at Monica. Monica did, yeah. No, but okay. I was the one who stayed up. I was not allowed to like American Idol was on at eight o'clock, so I could watch it. But then the season finales were, was two hours, so I wasn't allowed to watch it because nine o'clock was my bedtime. But my parents let me stay up for the Clay Aiken Ruben Stoddard finale, and when Clay lost, I cried so much that I don't think I went to school the next day. Like I think I made myself sick. My parents also let me stay up to watch it. I also was not supposed to. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this puts this squarely in a time period in my life. Um, the description of the first episode says, Georgia, 18, a college dropout in Seattle, gets a filing job. She gets killed by a falling toilet seat on her first workday. Two grim reapers have her join their ranks. No, I will say before we even get really into this, the first episode is um, basically two episodes. Um, it was an hour and 15 minutes when they're normally about 41 to 43 minutes long. And um, it is very heavy on the exposition. The show in general does a lot of like exposi- expository narration, but this episode is heavy on that. So that, that, that's just my feelings on that. I just, I like I said, one of my favorite shows. I love it, but it's a lot. I do feel like it made the episode longer than it needed to be. And I know they were just trying to get it out there, the pilot. And they were like, we're just going to hook you by throwing everything we can in there. It's like, it was good. You didn't need to do that. You could have broken it down. Some. Yeah. I think like the second half of the episode where she actually gets her first assignment could have been a different episode. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Um, also, as a reminder, before we get too into it, MK has seen a lot of the show a thousand years ago. Yes. So she's coming into it with like semi new eyes, semi like remembering things. I've never seen it. This right, is my right. first foray into it. Yeah, so. I've definitely seen all of the first season. I think I've seen all of the second season. But again, I watched it when it was on TV. So or maybe shortly after. But so like I was either in middle school or high school when I watched this. So I remember it, but that doesn't mean I remember 
everything. Right. Whereas Courtney's never seen it before. Also, unfortunately, I found out what IMDb TV means, and it means that there are commercials. Yes. Yes, it does. (laughs) Very sure off my watching schedule, because it added more time than I expected. Yeah. Um, It was directed by Scott Winnant. Um, He also executive produced the pilot with um, Brian Fowler, but he... Well, will not direct any more episodes. I checked. He does not direct anything else for the show. Um, he did win two Emmys for directing 30-something in the 90s. Um, he also directed episodes of My So-Called Life and an episode of The West Wing um, prior to this. And then since then, he's directed um, like Californication, Breaking Bad, Veronica Mars. Uh, what does that okay. And... True Blood. Oh, I could not read the word blood. I was like, I have no idea what that says. True Blood. Um, but also, like, he's from, like, a super, um, like, Hollywood-sessed family. His wife is also a writer-producer. His dad is a super famous actor in the 60s. His mom is a writer-producer. His brother is a casting director. Like, yeah. They're all in. There, yeah. Um, it was written... And created by Brian Fuller, who I've actually realized while taking these notes, I realized I've met him. Because he, yeah, um, he co-created Star Trek Discovery. Mm -hmm. And I went to the pre-launch panel of Star Trek Discovery at um, Toronto Fan Expo before the show aired. All right. That's interesting. Um, Yeah, but like he, he's created, what's that? Did you talk to him? No, I just okay. not like not him by himself. I because it was like the whole cast panel. Right. Like I was a little more starstruck about Anthony Rapp and Jason Isaacs and uh like and Doug Jones than I was yeah. about this act this writer that I didn't realize that I knew who he was until after. <laughs> um, because he also he also like he has done a lot of creating fictional worlds. He obviously created mm-hmm. Dead Like Me. He has worked a lot in the Star Trek universe and created two of the Star Trek spinoff shows. He also created Pushing Daisies. Which I haven't seen, but I, I have a couple of friends who have watched it and they loved it. It is. So. The fact that it only lasted one season is still the biggest crime to humanity. But he does it a lot. He creates these really amazing niche worlds that then get canceled because they don't have a big enough following. Like this, like Dead Like Me got canceled after two seasons. Pushing Daisies got canceled after a season. He, but um, then he also um, created the new Hannibal show. So he's at least got some meteor stuff. But it's but, only um, lasted three seasons i think yeah i know i don't think it lasted very long so basically if it doesn't work if it's not star trek it's not going to take him very far which is really unfortunate um he also wrote a couple of the really best episodes of heroes but he didn't help create that show he just wrote episodes i feel like it's because like his i mean I, so i haven't seen star trek obviously because i haven't seen anything it seems um <laughs> but like just watching the first two episodes because we are just going to spoiler alert. Um, his writing is is really well done, but it's kind of off the wall, and mm-hmm. so like it becomes more niche. And so like I, I see why it didn't go very far, but it is very disappointing because it's still really well done. Yeah, because and then there's another show that he created um, after this one that I can't remember what it's called. Um, 
Why am I, why have I lost it? Um, he, and so his, um, oh, Wonderfalls. He created another show called Wonderfalls. And basically like his signature trademark is super quirky, weird comedies that involve death in an un, un, unnatural version of death with a main protagonist who's a female with a traditionally male name. Like that is the, that is the first storyboard on all of his shows. Right up my alley. Exactly. Like the main character in Pushing Daisies, her name, her name is Chuck. So like that's, he hit, that is like his, if it had, if it's a weird comedy with death in a not normal way and a main character who's a girl with a boy name, Brian Fuller probably made it. That Fantastic. is his signature. Yeah. Um, our main cast. Um, Alan Muth plays George, our main character. Um, she's really only known for doing the show. She has a couple more credits, but she really hasn't done much of anything. Um, but she's a member of Mensa. So she's like hella fucking smart. And in 2015, she quit acting. Um, no, in twice, sorry, in 2013, she quit acting so that she could, cause she made a, a coffee company and she breeds cats. Which coffee company? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I just know in an interview, she said, I don't want to act anymore. I'd rather just breed my cats and brew my coffee. And I, I was love like, it. I am obsessed with that, truthfully. I'm going to look it up for next week's episode. Perfect. Um, Rebecca Gayhart. Ooh, that was a weird <clears throat> thing in my voice. Um, Rebecca Gayhart, she's one of those people that, like, when you see her face, you know her face, but she's never really been, like, super famous. I think one of her mm-hmm. biggest things was Jawbreakers was a movie in the 90s she did a couple other movies in the 90s um and she's also done like an f ton of random tv she was one of my favorite characters in ugly betty i watched that for a while yeah she was the secretary at okay mm-hmm. yeah um she yeah. um she's also just had like a lot of drama in her life um, in 2001, she almost quit acting because she killed someone. Well, but her. Um, well, she, it was it was um, vehicular manslaughter, and it got pled down in Kate co- in court to having been accidental, and so she had like a bunch of community service and like a big fine, but like not and probation, but no real jail time. Very Marky Mark of her. Yeah. Um, she was married to Eric Dane for 14 years. They got divorced in 2018, which I didn't realize they'd gotten divorced until I was researching yeah. this today. I was like, oh, that sucks. That's such a bummer. Yeah. They have two kiddos together. Um, but yeah, that's Rebecca Gayhart. Um, she plays Betty. Betty, thank you. I Betty. was like, I was gonna say Becky, and then I was like, no, because that's her real name. That's not it. It's okay, Betty. when I yes. when I heard it, I kept thinking they were saying Benny. Oh. I was calling her Benny for like the longest time, and I realized when I said Betty, I was like, oh wait, <laughs> that's not the right name. And then we have um, Callum Blue, who I am obsessed with. Um, he played Zod on Smallville. He played um, Sir Andrew Jacobi in Princess Diaries Two: Royal Engagement. Oh. Um, he was um, one of the knights in the Tudors. He was in Secret Diary of a Call Girl, Sarah Jane Adventures. Basically, he's been in everything I've ever watched. Everything. Right. He's 
very handsome. He was in season one, episode five of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> um, but he hates social media, refuses to have one, and has never put any part of his public personal life in the public. He's mad secretive. I believe he's still single, which is- <laughs> Yeah. Good to know. That's good information to have. Yeah. But um, I could totally see not wanting to be I mean, I'm barely on social media and no one cares what I do. Like exactly. Um, then we have Jasmine Guy, who uh plays Roxy. And if you don't know who she is, I don't know what where you have been. Cause she's like everywhere. Yeah. She got her start in TV as being one of the dancers on fame. She played Whitley in a different world, which was like one of those huge, huge, like black comedies in the eighties and nineties. Um, she played, she played Grams, AKA Sheila Bennett on the vampire diaries. My fave. I loved her so much on that. Um, she was Gemma on Grey's Anatomy, who was a recurring character on Broadway. She was in Greece. She was in the whiz. She was one of the um, first black leads in Chicago. Um, she's got like three albums. She's got two books. She teaches dance to underprivileged kids. Like she is. Hella talented. Yeah. She's a queen. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, then the other main characters that I didn't write about are her Greg Keen, who plays her dad. Cause he has done nothing that I know. And, um, Britt McKillop, who is her sister who mm-hmm. actually has done a bunch of more stuff, but I, uh, she's mostly done voice work. So like, which is, un- she grows up real pretty. Let me just tell you, she's beautiful now, but she mostly does voice work. Um, and then her mom, and she was in Trick or Treat. She was, yes. The horror movie we still haven't seen, but that exists. Her mom was played by Cynthia Stevenson, who in my mind just plays forever the oblivious mom um, because she was the mom in Agent Cody Banks who had no idea what was going on. She was the mom, one of the moms in How to Get Away with Murder who had no idea what was going on. Like, I just think that that is her typecast in life. Such a sad typecast, but it's so true. (laughs) But also, like, she's probably getting paid pretty well. Oh, yeah. I mean, she, on the show she's I mean, she she got her first TV role in Cheers and has been doing comedy forever. She's super talented. It's just that in everything I've seen her in, she's played the same mom with the same like mm-hmm. button down and the same haircut. Yeah. And then uh, yeah. obviously we have our Lord and Savior, Mandy Patinkin. I didn't even bother looking at his IMDb or writing down any of his credits. My note just says, perfect. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, because There's a little more to him than that. There, there is. I mean, uh, he was, cool, obviously, Aniko Montoya in The Princess Bride. He um, was in Criminal Minds. He was um, in the original Broadway cast of Sunny in the Park with George. Um what else he might have been in hello dolly at some point i think he's played tevya in fiddler on the roof in every language it's possible to sing that show in um 
I mean, I, I knew him from Princess Bride. That was my first foray into Mandy Patinkin. Um, oh, one of my favorite um, not lesser-known Mandy Patinkin roles was as the villain in The Adventures of Elmo in Grouchland. Um, he, has, seen that. he has been married to the same woman for 31 years. Nope. 41 years. I keep forgetting that I'm <laughs> for 41 years. And she was the first girl he ever had a crush on. And he's been married to her all through the whole time he's been in Hollywood. And like they do TikToks together. And I'm just, he's oh, perfect. He is. That's so sweet. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So the episode starts with the backstory of how death entered the world, which is really weird. (laughs) Um, But basically God, which they specify as God with a lowercase g, because this show does a really interesting way of like talking about God in heaven without talking about God in heaven. They're like, they're putting no religious emphasis on it at all. Um, gave death in a jar to a toad who got distracted by a frog and then the frog broke the jar and then death entered the world. And I just, but how dare they blame toads and frogs for this? How dare? I mean, they did nothing wrong except the prison start ones, but like the rest of them didn't do anything. I mean, they, they juggled a vase of death. I mean, that's brought it on themselves. Someone gave it to them. Yeah. They gave it to the, the toad. I love toads and frogs, so I don't want to blame them for death. Um, and then we meet George. And George is the definition of apathy. <laughs> yes. She, when I saw her, I just put, oh, the 2000s. They apologize for looking, for people looking disappointing, saying they're unattractive. When, like, she's not unattractive. No. She looks plain. They didn't put makeup on her and they dressed her very average. Yeah. And they were like, mm, she's the worst. And I was like, what? <laughs> no, very 2000. Yeah, it was. And she, but she was like, I'm sorry to disappoint you, except I'm not really sorry because I've mastered the art of not giving a shit. And I was like, yes, that is, that is the vibe of the whole show. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Um, and she's trying to get a job at a temp agency, but she doesn't really want to, but she also doesn't really want to do anything. Like ever. Right. Um, and we meet Dolores Herbig, who is um the manager at this temp agency and is um everything that I hate about customer service. Yeah. And um, oh, I have a note because this is how dated the show is. Um, they're talking about if your ability to use Microsoft Office. And she's like, I, I know how to use Lotus. And I go, I don't even know what Lotus is. I don't either. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, well, that's not great for you. Try again. Yeah. Um, and um, then she, we go home and we meet George's dysfunctional family like i said this episode is just hella exposition um so 
there's like some funny moments in these scenes, but like plot wise, they're just like, here are all the characters that you need to know. Um, in her dysfunctional family, we meet her mom, who is a bitch. Bless her. And her dad, who I don't know how I feel about her dad. He just, I don't have any feelings about him right now. He hasn't like done a lot of anything. He's just kind of there. And then we, her 10 year old little sister, who she pretends is invisible. <sighs> oh, Reggie. I laughed so hard when I saw that. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. That's the other thing. Like, the special effects in the show are not bad, but they're also very 2000s. Like, they didn't age, they didn't age terribly, but they're like, okay. They're just extra cheesy. Yes. Yes. Um, and then she goes to bed and says, the only thing, like, she's just still waxing poetic about her terrible, sad sack of a life. And she says, do you know how hard it is to be, like, cresting on the edge of adulthood with no idea what you're doing? And I was like, girl, I am fully living that. <laughs> 100%. Um, 100%. Her mom wakes her up violently the next morning and was like, well, you got a temp job. Um, you have to go to work. Beggars can't be choosers. You're going to go to work. You're going to get paid. You're going to move out of my house. <laughs> okay, bye now. <laughs> and then we have a very painful moment of foreshadowing, which is less painful by the fact that we're being narrated and told it's painful foreshadowing of her mom's last words ever to her is there's going, it's going to be your funeral. <sighs> I really wish that there hadn't been narration in that moment because mm -hmm. some of the some of the irony and the humor is lessened by the narration yeah so she goes to work at this place that i can only imagine is what hell looks like I absolutely think it's what hell looks like. And I was looking at it and I was like, it's it's like portrayed as corporate America everywhere. And I'm like, I've worked for corporate. Like it doesn't look like this anymore. <laughs> and those computers, God bless. Oh yeah, no, but I mean, obviously we're we're looking at something that's almost 20 years old, but mm -hmm. also like just being in an office, I like a cubicle office, like I would rather kill myself. It made me think very much of Office Space, the movie. Yeah. Oh, and then, oh, here, even I know it made me want to kill myself because my note said, honestly, if I was her and I wasn't about to die, I'd just kill myself. <laughs> There's no telling what she would have done. We didn't give her enough time to figure it out. Yeah. So then she goes on her lunch hour that is only 35 minutes. Which, which is illegal. If you give them an hour, you have to let them take an hour. But also, you just call it a lunch hour, like even when it's not an hour. I mean, my yeah. lunch is only 40 minutes. Mine's only 30. They expect me to go get food and come back in 30 minutes and, and eat it. Spoiler alert, I do not. 
I take longer than 30 minutes most days. I just don't take a lunch. I end up working through my lunch every day. Because, <sighs> I mean, I also work after I leave work and in the middle of right. the night and always. Me too, that's why I take longer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then she's on her lunch break, walking down the street, and some weird guy starts touching her and talking to her. I was just like, why is this guy being so creepy? Well, because he's taking her soul. Yeah, which is creepy. And he didn't have to do it that creepily. Yeah, I don't So then, basically, the next 40 minutes of the show are just a series of scenes of Mandy Patinkin describing what the afterlife is like in this world to us. Mandy plays Rube, the boss. Um, I adore him, and I wish that he would come work with me and call me Peanut every day. That's, but yeah. basically, in this fictional universe, when you die... There are Grim Reapers there to remove your soul before you die so that you don't actually feel or experience painful deaths. And also help your body or your soul move on to its final resting place. Only sometimes, so sometimes you go to a good place. Sometimes you go to a bad place. They don't really call it heaven or hell. They just... Mm -hmm. Well, they did the, the one time because she says, she Oh, says, she said, am, am I, I going to hell? And he said, you're not that interesting. <laughs> Basically in this world, you either are good enough to go to heaven or you are bad enough to go to hell or you're not very interesting or exciting. And you have to do some menial job in between. Mm-hmm. One of which is a grim reaper. There are also the Grim Reapers work like um, a corporation and there are different divisions and they cover different kinds of death. And our Reaper crew that we are following in the show covers the, uh, is the Department of External Forces. So they don't deal with anyone who dies of diseases. They just deal with murder, suicide, and accidents. Such as having a spaceship toilet break through orbit and land on you. Exactly. Because what is a better way to die? Um, which is surprisingly important later in the show. Right. <laughs> um, it seems like it will be. Yeah. Um, so they go to her funeral And um, we see her family, like, dealing with it. And we see that her sister is clearly not taking this very well. And um, that her dad may or may not be gay. Because in our introduction to her dysfunctional family, we find out that her dad is having an affair. At the funeral, one of his students comes and gives him a very uncomfortable hug. Only it's a male student. And George is very confused. Yeah. That's all the information um, we have on this at this time. So I, I had a question for you. If you could, would you go to your own funeral? I think so. 
You think so? I think I would be too curious not to. Yeah. Any questions? Like, honestly, I think I would just to like know who bothered to show up. Which is, but also like, I'd go to like make sure that someone's taking care of my sisters or like my mom. Like, I'd make sure Mm -hmm. that like someone was actually like helping them. Because my mom, if I were to die before my mom, which I, was about to say, I like how you assume you're like the first to go that <laughs> Like if I were to die before my mom, my mom is the kind of person who deals with being upset by overworking and stressing and planning. And I do not want her to be responsible for that. Like mm-hmm. I, I know that that's how she copes, but I would also want to make sure that someone is making sure that she's not going crazy doing that. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So then after Rube explains death, we go on like a walk and talk of meeting all of our other characters and finding out some more um, expository information about death. Um, We find out that you don't get paid to be a Grim Reaper. So some of people still get jobs like Roxy, the traffic cop. Poor Roxy. Um, or some people like Mason just steal shit off of dead bodies. I mean, look, if I was a Grim Reaper, they're already dead. If it's in their wallet, it's not really going to their family, probably. Who's going to miss it? And I'm doing a job and I'm not getting paid for it. Especially if they're the person that I had to take their soul and them up. Like, it's basically their payment to me. They don't need it anymore. Right. Um, then we find out about Gravelings, which are these weird, creepy demon creature things that come and um, cause death. The Reapers don't cause anything. They just have to be there to like get the, the souls pain. from one place to another. But the Gravelings often cause the death. The creepy little monkey looking thing. Yes. Um, and then oh, and then because George is now a reaper, people can see her and her um her reactions to being dead but not dead. So awkward. So I do want to tell you when she was at I, I found this fun fact because my brain spiraled. Um, when she was at the funeral and she walked through the door and it was like that misty effect or whatever, I was like, this effect looks really familiar. And at first I was like, this kind of looks like something they would do in Charmed or something else. So I looked it up and I was like, are there any crossover between Charmed and um, Dead Like Me visual effects team? Yeah. The answer is no. There is in the new Charmed, but I haven't watched it yet. So I just haven't either. But there is crossover between Dead Like Me and Hemlock Grove. Andrew Carr did visual effects for both shows. All right. Fun fact of the day. Yeah. I did not look up the visual effects team. I did not intentionally, but my brain <laughs> went on a train and I followed it. Sure. So um, now you know. <laughs> then they also find out that um, as a Grim Reaper, you are dead, but not dead. And by, you can't, there's no, they don't have superpowers. Like there's no like phasing through things or walking 
through buildings or being able to fly. Like they just have to like get around like normal people with like cars and buses and things. And they also need somewhere to live. So they need somewhere to live, which often means that they uh, take a dead person's house. I want you to know this is such an unfair job. They're just like, they don't get to choose it. They don't get any money. They don't get a place to live. And they have to figure out how to use a bus system while they're dead and dead. Like, this is insane. This is so not fair. Yeah. Um, George very much feels that way as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Mason is taking her to find a place to live and kind of showing her the ropes of stealing from dead people. Um, but then it turns out that Betty already claimed the apartment. So then she has to go find them a new one. And um she fucks up and goes to an apartment where the guy isn't dead yet. <laughs> I lost it when they were just like, oh, I thought this was a seven. I mean, I thought this was a one to seven. And they're like, okay, well, we'll be back next week. I was like, we're a guy. Um, so then they have their um Every morning they have breakfast at the Waffle House to get their assignments. And this will continue for the whole show. They have their morning breakfast where they get their assignments of who they have to reap that day at the Waffle House. And when it's a good day, Rube buys banana bonanzas for everybody. And um, so uh, George has to have her first day of observation hours. So she goes with Mason to the bank. Now, this bank scene could have been a whole episode by itself because it is bananas. Truly. My, literally, my note is this bank robbing scene is absurd. Oh, it's, it is absurd. And that is the level of humor of the show. It is. So they're trying to figure out because when they find out who they're going to read, they don't get a full name. They just get a initials and a time and a place and then they have to go because which makes sense because they're not getting involved so they go to this bank and they're waiting they have no idea who of all these people at the bank is going to get killed and somehow in the midst of this of them waiting at the bank a guy comes in to rob the bank and then he gets thwarted by a woman whose husband works at the bank and is cheating on her, and she brought all of her kids and a gun. Right. The gun was in the baby's car seat, because that's where you keep guns. Then she accidentally shoots some no one. Right. But while she's shooting something, I forget what happens that gets the fire department sent there. She shoots straight up and it goes through the ceiling. Right. And it like caught, and then it all fell on everyone. And they started, oh, I think it was just nine Oh, of the, of the ceiling. Okay. The ceiling falls. So then the fire department comes. Yeah. And then there's this one guy who's there to cash a check. Now, <laughs> the whole time. Oh, when they first get to the bank, George watches the graveling and says that the person who dies is going to slip on a banana peel. And Mason says that is quite silly, not likely to happen. And the Gravelings don't always get it right. So then all of this nonsense is happening. Still, no one is dead. Then this poor kid who's there to cash his check, his name's Brendan. He 
slips on the banana peel, lands with his head in a rotating door <laughs> that then closes on his head. No blood. Zero no blood. blood. Of course. Of course not. <laughs> there's, there's no blood in the show. That's not how we do things here. Even when, even when George got exploded by a toilet, there was like one line of blood across her shoes so she could see she was dead. Right. Like. <laughs> okay. uh, but this Brendan guy, I identified with him so hard. He was rocking his like punk look and then he dies and he looks at his check and he's like, this is so unfair. I just got, I just got paid. And I was he like, died. I he was, he was not upset that he was dead. He was upset that he died on payday. I would also be upset if I died on payday. Like, for real. At least, at least tell me when I'm broke. Right, exactly. Like, what else do I have going? Like, I'm just sitting here. So, um, so George gets his apartment. <laughs> Benefits of killing someone take their apartment. Yes. Like, uh, alone. <laughs> yeah. And um, his apartment is exactly what you would expect when you look at him. Like, if you haven't watched the show, which you should watch the show if you're listening to us talk about it, but if you haven't watched the show, picture Matthew Lillard in Scream without the murder. And that is Brendan. That's so funny, but I haven't watched Scream yet. But Matthew Lillard, I can... Just spread them out across the rolls and picture it, and you'll find one that's, that's sitting. Yep. And then George goes and visits her parents at a garage sale because she finds out that she doesn't look like herself to alive people anymore. And she gets really weird, asks her mom a lot of stupid questions. And uh, then it's the next day. She gets her first job. Mind you, this is all still the same episode. And her first job is on a train. She has to watch this uh, person get on a train and whoever sits in that seat, that's her next victim, blah, blah, blah. Turns out it's a little kid. I just put how, like, how dare they make her this her right. soul? I was like, this is such, it's such, it's very Shakespeare of Mandy to give her a, uh, to turn a comedy into a tragedy for her. Right. It's like, first job, you got to learn the hard way that you don't have any control over who's dead. Child. Now, the child is played by Jodel Farland who um, apparently just plays kids who die in everything. <laughs> trauma? There's yeah. Um, trauma? She played Brie Tanner in the Twilight series movie, which is the one who is the kid who gets killed by Victoria and becomes part of the vampire army. Um, she, I'm pretty sure her character died when in the episode of Grey's Anatomy that she was in. Um, she is in like a half ton of horror movies. Um, pretty sure that she also died in her episode of Supernatural. Like basically, she's just a child actor who gets murdered a lot. 
so bad. <laughs> um, but she was in Big Fat Liar too. I don't think she died in that one. Nobody died in that one. Of course, she didn't die. Um, and so George decides she's just going to not kill her. Or not? I, I mean, or no? She's going to save her from. Yeah, I probably would also feel that way. Yeah, she's going to save her from the train accident that's supposed to kill her. And um, But before that happens, there's this guy on the train who won't stop talking to her. And the way to get him to stop, she just looks at him and she's like, I can't talk to you right now. I'm praying. And I was like, I just want to tell everyone that from now on. Like, anytime (laughs) they bother me, I'm just going to tell them I can't talk to them right now because I'm praying. Um, So she saves the little girl from the car, uh, the train accident. And then... um, Rube meets her and is like, um, excuse me? No. And um, then she goes back and she takes her soul. Now, here's the thing. The little girl, she doesn't kill the little girl. She just takes her soul. The little girl is basically already dead anyway because of the physical trauma of that train accident. Right. But my sister happened to be over when I watched this episode for the first time. And she goes, now, this is what I don't understand. And I I agree with her take on it. Everybody's fine. They're sitting at this fire. You touch a little girl. She collapses and dies. And then you just walk off into the woods and nobody suspects anything. I had the same thought. I was like. At first, I thought she was like they were sitting off to the side, like out in the woods somewhere, and she just did it. And then I was like, "Oh, they're gonna find her body, and everybody's gonna freak out." Yeah. No, we're sitting in the middle with everyone. Yeah. yeah. Like, what? What is going on? No. And then she takes her to her version of heaven, which is an amusement park, and it's very cute in the woods, which is my version of a nightmare. But that's fine. To each their own. I mean, but the it wasn't really there. It was like a transport. I know. And they did play Kesara, which was an excellent song choice. Yes, it was excellent. Beautiful. And that is the end of the first episode. Did, did you keep up? Because a lot happened. <laughs> yeah, and um, I kind of went through a lot of it really fast um, because plot-wise, it was just exposition. The it unfolding, was, yeah. Yeah. Um, Truthfully, if you don't watch anything else of this episode, just find the bank robbery scene. <laughs> it's worth it. Yeah. Um, and it explains everything. <laughs> basically, you need to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, trivia. George's wish is that she, or George's wish is that she could just wish it into the cornfield. Which she says at some point about being a reaper, she just wants to wish it into the cornfield, um, is a reference to Jerome Bixby's short story, It's a Good Life, in which a little boy with godlike powers whisks an entire town into an alternate reality and holds the population in a paralysis of fear. Wish it into the cornfield was what his mother pleaded with Anthony to do to the creatures and the people that he had killed. The story was adapted for the original Twilight Zone in 1959 with Bill Mooney and reimagined for Twilight Zone in 1983. It's a Twilight Zone skit. I may have seen that. Then I've seen some of the. I've, I've seen, seen the movie. I have seen that. I don't remember what they were. 
Um, the show takes its title from John Howard Griffin's book, Black Like Me, in which the white author darkens his skin to pass as a black man. And then in the show, the dead are passing themselves off as living. Mm-hmm. Um, after being assigned to an extremely menial job, George says, as the day progressed, I began to suspect that Dolores Herbig, as in her big fat ass, was the devil and she'd condemned me to hell. In the show Reaper in 2007, Christine Willis, who played Dolores Herbig, plays a demon who collects the souls of those who escape from hell. That's so fun. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, the she little girl from Demonic. No, she's only demonic in the sense that she's so happy it's creepy. Right, right. Um, the little girl from the train sees an amusement park as her great beyond, and George had asked her about parks before the accident. I talked about Disneyland before the accident and then her heaven, her great beyond was basically that. In George's opening monologue, she quips whether the world would be better off if frogs had just stuck to hawking beer, referring to the famous Budweiser commercial of the time, which featured three large frogs croaking Budweiser. Yes. Familiar. I'm familiar with that. Me too. And then show cast members Callum Blue, Greg Keane, and Christine Wells all at one point guest starred on the TV series Smallville, as did guest star of this episode, Joe Dow Furland. And the main girl is the next team called from Smallville. What? Did you not know that? The main girl from Smallville is in the Nexium cult. Oh, yeah, no, her. I, I knew that. I thought you were saying the main girl from this show was in a cult. No, no, no. No, no, she's not. She's fine, probably. Yeah, no, she quit to make coffee and right. cats. So I would guess she's fine, so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that is our trivia for the first episode. Um, Courtney? Yeah? Is there anyone that you would like to punch? After this episode, I know we talked about we were going to do this, but I completely did not think about it. Um, no, can you go first? Who do you want to punch? I want to punch her mom. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I uh, also want to punch her mom, but I, you know who I want to punch. I want to punch the guy behind the desk of the temp job who was such a jerk <gasps> to her about the files. That's who I want to punch. Oh, the one who couldn't believe her when she dropped a file down an elevator shaft? Yes. Um, I don't care that it's her fault. He was very good Truthfully, I can't believe that she actually dropped the file down an I, elevator shaft either. <laughs> I, so I'm paranoid of doing something like that. Like, I used to live, I don't know, but the thing is, like, in my old building, the elevator, the bottom floor was just the basement. And so, like, I could just go down to the basement if I dropped something. But I was always so terrified I was going to drop my keys down it. For no reason. Never have I done that. No. But I'm always nervous I'm going to. That's fair. So, it was confirmed. Thank you, Dead Like Me. Yeah. And, That's um, one punch. Uh, what is there? Um, who is your uh, MVP of the episode? Um, I like uh, Callum Blue. What's his name? Oh, Mason. Yeah. I like Mason because I agree with the way he handles things, even if they're a little less than, um, correct, I guess. They're a little off the charts, but I'm, I'm here for it. 
I uh, I also love Mason. My favorite is Rube, though, um, because he goes back and forth from being, like, kind and fatherly to also, like, being an asshole because he kind of has mm-hmm. to. Um, like, there's one t- scene where um, what he says, it totally would not be able to be on TV today. 20 years ago was apparently a very different time. Um, but she's, like, freaking out about how she can't believe that the girl can see her. And she's like, he's like, okay, yes. She can see you. No, just order your food before she thinks you're retarded. I know. I was like, oh, this was 20 years ago. What the heck? It was, I laughed, but I also laughed in a way where, like, I, like, spit out my drink because I couldn't believe that he just said you that. I couldn't believe it happened. Was like, yes. what? I was like, I don't think you're supposed to say it like that. But also, like, I feel like I, I, like, I feel like that's something, like, my dad or my uncle would say to me if I was being that dumb. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Yes. I appreciate oh. that. Time, uh, the times, they have a change. Yes. It, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, but it is, it is crazy how, what things you could get away with on TV and what you could. I know. But also, what channel did this air on is my other question. Showtime. Showtime. Okay. Because I was going to say, yeah, there's a so lot of swearing. There's a lot of swearing in it. So it, it had to have been on something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that is the pilot episode of Dead Like Me. It's a long one. Um, I promise the rest of them are not that long. Which means our episodes are going to probably be a little shorter. Too. Yeah. Um, unless for some reason we just like get really into one episode or something. <laughs> Off the rails. Who knows? <laughs> There's no telling what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but if you uh, are excited about the new show or you have questions or comments or concerns, uh, feedback, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Death and Aliens. You can follow me at E-M-K-A-Y underscore superstar. You can follow me at cecloud Cloud13. And um, we will see you. I would say next week, um, but really the next Wednesday. episode which is on Wednesday, yeah. Ish. Wednesday ish. Probably Wednesday. Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now bye. Bye.